0: Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein.
1: This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose
2: McGowan. Right here.
0: Aisha Tyler. Tron Quest. Fred Armisen. Fritz Paul. Javier Munoz. Seth Mike? Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi, we're Haim. And you're listening to the Talk House Podcast. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Talk House Podcast. I'm Josh Modell. On this week's episode, we've got the ringleader of the year's weirdest experimental hip-hop album, who also happens to be a well-known comedian, along with two guys who helped him make it, James Acaster, along with Namdi and Quale Chris. Now, Acaster isn't a household name in the States just yet, but he's definitely a known quantity in the UK where he's from. He's a stand-up comedian, a TV presenter, and an author. He wrote a great memoir a few years back called Perfect Sound Whatever, which uses music as a starting point for telling his own story. Which all sort of brings us to his musical project, which he calls Temps. Before his comedy career took off, Acaster was an aspiring musician, and he jumped back into that pursuit during the pandemic, creating a collective of over 40 contributors to make an album called Party Gator Purgatory. It's a wild mix of experimental hip-hop with rock and jazz elements, and it's chaotic in all the right ways. For this conversation, we put Acaster together with two of the guests he brought on to help with Party Gator. Namdi seemed like a natural choice for a multiple personality record like this one, since he's one of the most restlessly engaging musicians working right now. The Chicagoan's latest album, Please Have a Seat, was his first for Secretly Canadian, and it's a blistering mix of hip-hop, electronic music, trap, and lots more, all tied together by his voice and outlook. Also in this chat is Detroit's Quale Chris, who's been making records as a rapper, producer, and writer for the past decade plus. His latest album, Death Fame, also came out last year, and it's a smart, politically pointed collection of songs that showcases both his incredible flow and sense of humor. Again, makes perfect sense that Acaster would have called on him to bring something special to Party Gator. Let's check out one of the album's tracks that features all three of these guys. Here's a bit of a song called Kept. In this fun and insightful conversation, these three guys talk about collaborating long distance, how whoever's mixing an album is incredibly important, whether or not one should order cheesecake at Cheesecake Factory, and how Macklemore ruined thrift stores, allegedly. Enjoy.
1: I'm at my sister's house in D.C., so I'm like, not even at home. Oh,
2: Quay like like nearby. Oh, you're
1: in,
3: you're in D.C.? No, I'm in Baltimore. Oh, nice! I'm about to be in Baltimore tonight. Going on a hot date. <laughs> I was about to say swing by, but no, uh, no, nah, nah, uh, 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 swing by one of these other, other nights.
2: Now I'm excited. Now I want you guys to meet up. We actually met recently. Yeah, like a couple months ago, because you
1: played with Black Midi at Talia Hall, and I was going to see them, and I saw you perform, and it was incredible. And I met you after the show when I was just yeah when I was
3: out. <laughs> That show was killer. How was that tour? tour was crazy. I mean, those fucking black midi guys, they're insane. Insane.
1: They're like my favorite boy band. I always tell, I toured with them too and it's like they're literally a boy band. People will bring pictures of them to the shows for them to sign. It's like, oh,
0: who's your favorite black midi member?
3: <laughs> they deserve every bit of it. Oh,
0: yeah. There was no
3: them. part of me at like, whatever, 22, 23, 20, whatever. I mean, even when they first like kicked on the scene. There was no part of me that that was that committed to anything. <laughs> yeah, same. And the their, their technical skill alone, it's a marvel every night or every night. Now that you say that, when they come back through or when I see them again, I'm going to bring a picture of, of us and see if they can sign it too. How <laughs> their, their
2: audiences react to you guys when you supported them on your separate tours?
3: Mine was good. I feel
1: like the crowd was, like, so pumped to see them that they were just happy. Like, you could have done anything. You made any silly joke, and everyone was like, yeah, because they're so pumped to see Black Midi. Yeah. yeah, and it's like a younger crowd, too, which means they buy merch and, like, stay for the whole show. Not like us old friends yeah. who are just like, ah, it's 9pm, my feet hurt. Yeah, I was
3: on my with uh, house shoes, and he was, he was stunned. I was, you know, well, he, he had pointed out that when like I would be like, you know, throw your hands in the air. They would keep them up for the entire song. Like, you know yeah, what I, I would, mean? Like I wouldn't the, do that. The, uh, it was beautiful. I don't know what I have to do to get a fan base like this. It's crazy. Made me want to write a mean letter to my fan base. Like, what do we get it together? <laughs> get it to fuck together, because this is real.
1: It's yeah. funny, because I love when people do that and I participate and throw their hands up, but I would never... I I'm just so stubborn in regards to everything. Like, I'm like, you will do it. Oh, you when people that. do it for me. I'm like, yes. But I, at a show, if someone tells me to raise my hands up, I'm like, nope. Nah. <laughs> it reminds me of like growing up in church too, where people made you do that, and I wasn't into it then. Mm-hmm. So I think like just like me being stubborn mixed with like past <laughs> religious experiences oh. makes me be like, nah. It's gone to a point where. Even when things are good, sometimes I try to go in the opposite direction. If there's like a lot of people doing a thing, even if people are like, this is a great show. And I know it's like a show I'll like, like I'll put off watching it just because so many people are into it. It's like not a great mentality because it could be people running from a fire and everyone's like, yo, let's run this way. And I'm like, nah,
2: (laughs) I'll stay here. (laughs) (laughs) No. It feels good though. I I went to see, um, Serpent with Feet, uh, uh, like in in, uh in london and at the end of the set they were doing um one of my favorite songs and they were singing the chorus and they're singing the chorus over and over again it's like the same lyric over and over and they said i want everyone to sing along and if you want to stop singing that's fine but this is the last song so if you stop singing you go home and (laughs) i keep keep singing this song until there's like one person (laughs) left and we're just going to keep going until everyone's, everyone's had enough and everyone goes and literally when they got to the end of the sentence I went, cool, bye and I went home and, <laughs> and it was, yeah you know, I love that song I loved the whole night I love everything that Separate With Feet puts out but I didn't want to sing because I don't, I don't <laughs> like singing with everyone and it actually felt really good to just go oh, I I'm, want I'm to go home now there were some people so into it singing really loud clearly passionately I was like, I'm just going to be that mumbling guy who just wants to stay and keep watching, but I just feel awkward. And uh, it was quite nice to just accept I'm going to go home. Some
1: people have the ability to like lose themselves in performances and art like that easier than performers, because I think performers are our brains are like just set to like critique things in ways maybe other people aren't and just to like kind of, like, learn, like, oh, what can we take away from this? And, like, what are they doing? You know, like, sometimes it's hard to see music without, without like, picking it apart and just, like, be fully present. Same for comedy, too. Yeah, It's hard for the just to, like, okay, I'm just going to thoroughly enjoy this and not be, like, oh, that was really good. That was a really good joke. Or, like, just dis- dissect things
3: mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Always picking it apart, studying. I almost feel the opposite when I'm at shows. Because like, part of me like enjoys being a part of it, but then um, also there's, like I think, like performer's karma that I'd be worried about. Like mm-hmm. if somebody's like, throw your hands in the air or make noise, like I feel like I have to, because I'm like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like pay- paying tribute to like the, the show gods or whatever mm-hmm. and being like, you know, now once I step on stage, this will be returned to me mm-hmm. uh, tenfold or whatever. <laughs>
1: I feel like if it comes organically, then I'm all for it. But I just, yeah, if it feels like processed or like, I don't know, just don't like being told what to do. <laughs> but sometimes I'm just doing that anyways. I'm dancing. If I
3: like it, I'm grooving. I'm If I like it, I'm there and present. I didn't even think about the church thing because, oh, damn, I used to hate that shit. Like everybody's yeah. saying, everybody, <laughs> you know, and then there'd be that one person, that, that one, you know, elder or whatever, that if you didn't, if you weren't singing, they would like, you know, depending on the church, either like front you out in front of everybody or if anything like send you some sort of laser stare from across the room. Oh, yeah.
2: Uh I hate that shit. I went to like a Like a non denominational kind of like in a community center, Mm. everyone kind of pulling quite an informal church as a kid Mm. and like a series of those as a kid and wasn't aware that they were like a bit darker than I knew they were. I thought they were just very positive, very happy churches. I didn't know that there were you know leaders being a bit too controlling of uh everybody i think there was one week where i told the congregation if who wears glasses doesn't wear glasses for a week then we've we've been told by god that next week you're all going to be cured and uh <laughs> and then and then the following week everyone got mm-hmm. like an absolute dressing down from the <laughs> leaders because they were like well some of you have been wearing glasses because we haven't all been cured so who was oh grade a gaslighter yeah, yeah that's fucked up man because you should
3: have if y'all didn't wear the glasses, y'all be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. <laughs> You'll never know. That church, that church gave you a once in a lifetime opportunity.
2: I've still got twenty twenty, <laughs> so I'm fine.
1: Imagine that people walking around like Mister Magoo, falling off ledges <laughs> and stuff because they told them not to
2: wear glasses. Those people getting awful <laughs> heads, like all week their heads were killing them because like they were doing it, and then other people had like you know buckled once and put the glasses on, and now they're to carry this guilt that thanks to you.
3: I was like Baptist mostly. Like, but I went to I went to a Catholic school as a kid. They tried to give me a, a paddling. I remember my mom was like, "Oh fuck no!" and didn't <laughs> let that shit happen. And then, um, and I, I guess that was when I left that school. But then I went to a Lutheran high school. Lutheran church days <laughs> were were very, yeah, right? Isn't that crazy? Um, were very. Uh, very mundane in comparison to the Baptist church. But no, nah, we were pretty much standard, you know what I mean? The standard Baptist church they put in every, you know, black comedy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. The the Well, whatever. The, the ones that McLemore and shit go to for, for, you know, emotional songs. At
1: the <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I was listening to Thrift Shopping yesterday. Honestly,
3: <laughs> I kind of
1: went in with that.
3: This is something I heard online. So clearly, I admit I did no research on this subject. So I don't Mm -hmm. know if it's true or not. But I saw some shit online that was saying the general pricing in thrift stores right now being as expensive as it is. Is in large part to the popularity of that song. Damn, fuck McLemore. When that song when came out. All my homies off. hate yeah, McLemore's so fuck, like, like fuck McLemore. He gentrified <laughs>
2: the friction. <friendship. laughs> <laughs> I definitely think like going to a church as a kid, as much like, you know, I don't believe in any of that stuff now, but like, I think being in a church where there was like people getting up and talking, there was people getting up and like, you know, playing songs, there's a lot of creative stuff going on. And I think that a lot of my kind of needs to be like, on stage in front of people or making stuff was all kind of like born from there a little bit. Do you guys feel like that at all or not really?
1: I think a little bit. Both my parents are pastors and I'm like, I'm Nigerian and like pretty much most Nigerian culture, it's like religion and spirituality is like ingrained into the culture. So like you're the odd man out if you don't participate in it, because it's just like literally part of the culture. So I grew up in like different churches. My dad would, Preach at all sorts of denominations, mostly like uh Pentecostal, like speaking in tongues, churches. But I would go to like Methodist, Baptist, he would preach at teach at synagogues and stuff. He would teach everywhere. So I had a pretty eclectic religious experience growing up. And that's where like I started playing drums a bit in church, you know. I feel like a lot of a lot of people get there, start doing that. So definitely it has like a a good place, even though if I don't take away like a lot from it it definitely like helped my performance and also just seeing my dad be so confident in like his speech and stuff i feel like i was like you know he's got something like i
3: don't quite have it
1: yet but <laughs> i feel like i could do that
3: well yeah he was basically on tour oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Your only laughs> yeah <we> church <laughs> to church it's
1: pretty wild <laughs> i think another thing i learned in regards to performance is how different chords and how different presentations of music can influence people's mood you know because the music in church is very is very made to like flow and like make you feel emotional and things so i think that's something i picked on up early on i was like oh this can be a tool to not necessarily manipulate that may be the wrong word but to kind of guide people's emotional experience like Mm -hmm. and i learned that like in movies too like take out the music in movies or shows and you have a completely different experience than like if the music that's supposed to like, Oh, it's, you're supposed to feel sad here. So they have the somber music. We're having the tiny little violins playing like, Oh, it's supposed to be upbeat. We're going to play some Mm -hmm. morale or whatever, you know? Like, I think that's probably my biggest takeaway from music in church is just like how much of an emotional accompaniment it can be. Mm
3: -hmm. It is, um, you know, manipulating, uh, you know, utilizing all these different ways to essentially like conduct emotions because like you know the pastor would start a certain way and you could like the more you paid attention you know especially as i'm older you know now as i got older you could like see them like kind of like you will be on stage like filling out like oh this isn't really this isn't really hidden them let mm-hmm. me pull out you know let me pull out this note and maybe like start speaking in a certain tone that
2: starts to rile it up. Well, yeah. both of you do that a lot. So like in in your songs and your music, you can both like inhabit a bunch of different characters with a bunch of different voices on one track. Is that like is that the idea there? Is it like let's guide people how they're meant to feel or, or are you just doing different perspectives and different voices sometimes, different characters.
3: I don't even ever look at it as different characters. Even folks that seem very uh <laughs> very simple. Or, you know are Complex, you know what I mean? I just kind of just go with what what feels best, and as long as it feels like me, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll see this shit all the time where I'll be like, "That's who would have thought it makes sense that James and Karela would know each other?" I'm like, what's, "What's weird about that?"
1: A lot of people think in like like just like square blocks, <laughs> you know. Like they're like, "You're over yeah. here." Maybe James, you've experienced this a little, like doing this project too people are like, you do this one thing. (laughs) That's what we know you for. And it's just like anything else that you try to do in life, especially if you like establish yourself in one area, people will be like, ah, but do the thing that we (laughs) know you for. And it's just like, life is, life is long. Life is sometimes unbearably ridiculously long. (laughs) So you're going to have many lives and many things that you're interested in. Hopefully, like Hopefully, that's the goal as a human is to like try different things. Because like, if not, like, why else are we here? You're just gonna do your one thing for fucking eighty years and then die. Fuck that shit.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely it was a nice problem to have. Like when we were making this, you know, over over the internet together. There's yeah, as it grew more and more into a project and into an album. You know, I did start getting those concerns and being like people aren't going to accept this from me. They're going to like want me to, maybe I should just put this out under a different name and not use my own name on it. But then I was like, no, because then if it sucks and it's bad, all you guys have got to take the hit because you put your real names on it. So that's not fair. I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of had to, in the end, just think like, do you know what? It's a good problem to have. And also, and kind of like trying to use what, because actually through stand-up i've never really viewed it as like my therapist asked me once and said like do you identify as a comedian is that your identity and it just wasn't at all and i didn't know why i've been doing it for 15 years and it was my you know main job But i just didn't feel like it it was but i didn't know what else was but um i think just being creative in general so instead of kind of doing this and going i'm going to try and just get far away from what i've done you know that comedian side of me has to be gone now so that I can be taken seriously in this thing. And actually not doing that was way better. Being like, no, I've kind of figured out who I am creatively as a comedian. And actually, you know, doing this now, which is something that I did before I even started comedy anyway. But like doing this, This is just the next project. I don't have to see myself as okay, I was doing I'm a comedian and now I'm a musician. It's actually just still the same person making something. You're just you. Yeah. (laughs) You still have to kind of go, I I, have got to make sure none of this is funny because (laughs) otherwise or oh, this has to be funny because I'm a comedian. You said you just kind of go, We're just gonna see what this is and we're just gonna do it and what comes out and what, what what it turns out to be and it was a collaboration anyway so that yeah yeah took a lot of the heat off of it as well as it being like something that had to represent me and me alone but that's what's gonna make it good is that you know i'm opening the door to all my
3: homies and and they're they're all just gonna pour in and play i sing i do you know within the lights like constraints of the party gators tell you know what i'm saying let it like open the playground we're just going to come in and i'll uh, figure it
2: out it was so good getting like stems from you guys and like opening up <laughs> opening up my inbox and having something new to play with each day and stuff And like I me, mean, the thing is like in a conversation like this with especially us kind of leading it ourselves there's certain things like i don't want to ask that like I've, I've always like so never what, what i didn't want to ask you at any point when you were sending me stuff was like oh, how did you do this and like what's good like yeah there's so much of it is like still a mystery to me i'll be at home listening to it going i don't know how they thought of this or how they thought to do this on this song and this never would have occurred to me in a thousand years but like i don't want to ask you know i don't want to ask you guys when i sent you the stuff how did you know how did you go about doing it even though like that seems like i should be asking that. Uh, on a podcast but like I almost don't want to know the answer but yeah um. I'm the worst
1: person to ask that type of stuff anyways because I really don't have a process like Mm -hmm. I just do it and I keep tweaking it until it feels good to me I just start and then go till it's done (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. my process like when I'm yeah I'd be the most boring on a music podcast because people would be like so what were you thinking and I was just like I was thinking that I wanted the song to sound good and I wanted it to be
3: done.
0: (laughs) Hey, this is Josh Modell, host of the talk house podcast. We love it when musicians come on the show and talk about process and often they'll get into the nuts and bolts of being a working artist, which can sometimes be fun and sometimes feel more like a business. Well, this episode of TalkHouse is brought to you by DistroKid, which is an amazing service for musicians looking to get their songs out into the world in an incredibly smart and cost-effective way. For the past decade plus, DistroKid has made it easy to get your music on all the streaming services, including Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Instagram, and more. You keep 100% of your earnings minus a flat yearly fee, which is a better deal than you'll find anywhere else. More than a million artists use DistroKid, and the latest version of their app is better than ever. It includes features that make it easy to see your account details, including the money you've earned, as well as to seamlessly edit things like lyrics and metadata across platforms. There's even a feature called Instant Share, which allows you to easily share files with your bandmates, booking agent, playlist curators, and more. Distro Lock allows you to protect your songs. DistroKid users get a YouTube official artist channel, too. The list goes on. The DistroKid app is available on iOS and Android. Go check it out today. Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. A story of moral panic, grassroots activism, and an unstoppable music community that fought for its freedom. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network.
2: you two both like also like wear a bunch of different creative hats and do a bunch of different things is is that like important to you as well to not get is a way of not getting bored and like so that you can just like focus on the project and not overthink it too much when you're you know like you say you kind of think i just want this to sound good and be done and then you're able to kind of like go on to another yeah and then you're able to go do a project where you you play a completely different role in it, it's a completely different genre of music, or quelle you, you might go on to something and you're doing like animation for something, or like, you know, yeah. does it help to approach each project and not not overthink it too much because you're just constantly doing something different?
3: Yes and no. Like I think I think you like one, I I focus on like way too many projects. So I just find myself doing a bunch of shit a lot of times. But two, I do, you know, I I think not over focusing on like the process of being like okay it's got to be this or it's got to be that does help for me when mm. I'm playing shit or when I'm putting songs together it's like kind of following this natural trail you know mm. and I just kind of kind of like smoke I just kind of flow with where it's going you know what I mean but like even with your songs you were sending like some notes that were helping a lot you know what I mean mm. you know you gave different emotions and whatnot. So that would help. And then, you know, in the same way, just whatever was happening in my life just also was just falling right in that place. So when you were sending songs, I would sit and ride to some for a little while, but then it would just, it would hit. And then once it hits, you just go with it, you know?
2: Yeah. Is it similar for you, I, I get the impression nobody doesn't like talking about the creative process too much. <laughs>
1: no, I, I love talking about it, but it's sometimes it's hard for me to pinpoint exactly what I was thinking during times. Cause it's mm-hmm. in a way it's like kind of spiritual and meditation for me. Cause I, sometimes I feel like I black out and a song is done. <laughs> like I just will work on something yeah. and, you know, kind of self edit as I go. I think just from the music and the things that I heard from an early age, like I was into like a lot of weird out there stuff that a lot of people I knew weren't into. Mm-hmm. And it just gave me the perception that like, there are so many options like, and not in a debilitating way for me either. Like some people are like, yeah. oh, there's too many choices. Yeah. I was like, yo, I could literally do anything <laughs> like <laughs> on a song and it would be, it could be interesting. So mm. I think yeah. having that perspective and like you're saying, wearing wearing many hats, I don't have a problem finishing things because music for me sometimes is more Like, I'm more obsessed than I am disciplined. People are like, how did you get so good at drums? I was just like, I'll just be playing drums for 15 hours a day in my room. Like, it wasn't like, it wasn't (laughs) discipline. Because discipline, like, I would still be
3: doing it, like, daily. You just open something up with with that statement. I'm I'm more obsessed than I am disciplined. That's it right there, yeah.
1: Honestly, if you learn how to balance those things, like, it can be good for you. I have a friend, Marina Herlock. She's like one of my favorite musicians, best musicians on the planet to me. And we had like kind of interesting conversations because she's from Barcelona, and we were talking about just like American culture. And she was like, "Ah, you Americans are doing things because because they're fun." And she's just like, "I just practice every day and I do it, <laughs> and I don't wait for I don't wait for inspiration or creativity. It'll come, but I'll have like the tools where it'll come more easily because." I'm just so like mm-hmm. fluent at what I do. And I was just like, I think I've got to that point, but I did it in a completely different way. I did it like out of a point of obsession rather than <laughs> discipline. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's interesting. It's interesting. And I think doing this project was good for me because it was at a time where, yeah, I just had so much time <laughs> and didn't know what to do. It was like deep lockdown. So like, you bringing this to me was like a gift. I was like, oh, I can try something. I can try something different. I've literally never felt this way. So this music that I make, I don't think I'll ever be able to make something like this again, because this is like such a unique feeling globally. Mm-hmm. And having having your input, like when I would send something and you'd be like, you know, let's try this part screaming or like, you know, I feel like I sent you so much and I really appreciated like the the edits because having the self-edit for me sometimes that's the hardest part like there's never like a lack of creativity it's like taking pieces out and being like okay like what needs to be there so mm-hmm. yeah that was my, my my favorite parts about the collaboration was like
2: getting notes because
1: a lot of times people don't send me notes they're like oh that's it
2: uh, you have to assume that's what people want like and then hope that they do and if if, if anyone I mean no one got You know, pissy with me every time I whenever I gave notes, but like I was kind of kind of prepared for like if anyone does, then yeah, I will just leave it and that. Yeah, I I, I'm not gonna push it with anyone. I'm very grateful that any anyone's like contributing to this at all. But I always find it more fun if I'm doing something. If someone says like, "Hey, try it more like this," let's do it. Like you know, I'm kind of looking for this thing. And most of the time, you know, and also I'd check with with people if I was going to use their stuff in a different way. Most of the time, like I remember with you, Nandy, there was a bit where I was like. I'm going to do this a cappella now at the beginning and not put the beat on it. So thought, good! I, That's my I favorite. Should, I should check.
3: <laughs> it's such a good choice, though. You were doing some real-life real producing, and you, you were killing it. You were killing it. And, you know, I think people may have probably even had more to say if, like, your ideas weren't great or didn't work, you know, every time, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
2: There were some times when it's like, and again, just really useful when like I'd send people back, you know, here's what I've done with you, if, especially if, I, if I'd changed it in any way, if I'd like moved it to a different part of a song or chopped it up, I'd send it back to the person just to be like, this is what I've done. And, you know, sometimes they would be like, I wouldn't do it like that personally. You do what you want is your album, but like I would <laughs> personally try this. So then I'd try the thing they did. And a lot of the time, I'll be like, oh, yeah, they're right. We've got there and found the the thing. And again, it's like yeah. that thing where, like you were saying earlier, you just want it to be the best it can be. You know, it's not about ego. And also, like, I remember, Quelle you saying to me about the, it was, you know, a very polite and nice little kind of comment of saying, like, you know, this is going to be really hard to mix, just so you know. And it was really <laughs> helpful because I was like, oh, I didn't know that. I thought that the hard bit was going to be this, was going to be producing it and making it. Uh, and I thought mixing it would just be, I'll just do some bits louder and some bits quieter. I know.
3: <laughs> so many of these songs, like if you mix them, even slightly different in different directions, it's a completely different song. You mm. know what I mean? So like there's so much of these pieces that are about like, what is the focal point at this point? Along with yeah. all the other pieces going on at the same time in, in some cases. You know, so yeah, no, the, the, <laughs> the mixing had to be brutal. <laughs> yeah, I made it through.
2: I was in there for a long time, but it was a, uh, but a good time as well. I, I liked it. It was, yeah, it was, it ended up being one of my favorite parts of the whole, the whole thing. And uh, although I remember listening to the first pass I did and being absolutely distraught, thinking, oh, I've wasted everyone's time. This is the worst <laughs> thing I've ever heard because I've mixed it too much top end. Everything just too harsh, all in the same kind of place. I was like, this is, Awful! i had to like go back in, <laughs> start again, do it all again. Yeah, but it, makes,
3: it makes such a crazy difference. Mixing is an instrument in of itself. I was going to say a, it's a, it's a, the,
1: engine, yeah. the fifth beetle. Mixing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chris mm-hmm. Hamilton
2: is the is the fifth beetle in this case, or the forty first beetle. Of how many people are in this? But like, uh yeah, a guy called Chris Hamilton who I've known for a long time, and uh we we uh, had a good time doing that together. Yeah, I mean what's crazy, people always ask me like if I, I I'm happy to know that you guys have met now because like um a lot of a lot of people ask me like, you know, how many of these people even know each other on the album? And it's nice that like like certain people now have like started working together who didn't know each other before this.
3: I'm about to go on this date with Numbie and um tonight. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Where are we about to eat at?
2: It's going down.
3: We're <laughs> going to uh, Cheesecake Factory. Dude. Hey, let's go. <laughs>
1: Honestly, never been. Would love yeah. to go. My birthday's tomorrow, so. Oh. oh shit.
2: If you two go Cheesecake oh. Factory for Numbie's birthday, I'll be the happiest guy. i right. am so
1: do it just for the story.
2: As a Brit... Know more about American culture than uh, maybe I, I thought I did, and like a lot, a lot of stuff that I was, I was excited about seeing in America when I went there for the first time. I went to San Francisco, and uh, I just wanted to go to a cheesecake factory because I'd heard it mentioned in the film Step Brothers. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, so I was like, that "Cheesecake factory sounds cool." Where that guy is going? Where Richard Jenkins is going? <laughs> so I was like, I wanted to find a cheesecake factory in San Francisco, and I went there, and my kind of like. Conscience wouldn't let me just go in and get a cheesecake. I had to like have the main course yeah, first in order food, to yeah. earn mm-hmm. my <laughs> dessert, which I don't. Yeah, which I really yeah. regret because I ordered the meatloaf and it was like the size of my my head. Like it was, was huge. I was full up on meatloaf <laughs> and then this cheesecake. I'm having to force it down, and uh, I really well, it, still still doesn't sit well with me that I I, I did Cheesecake yeah, Factory well, wrong. Like that's, look, that's yeah.
3: well, no. Listen, the way you did Cheesecake Factory wrong is that you got cheesecake. Because, like, if you're really doing Cheesecake Factory, you go in, you're eating a bunch of bread, you're eating a shitload of the the brown bread, and then you order, like, a pasta, and like you said, they bring it out in, like, a trough. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, You get, like, a lifetime supply of pasta. For whatever dumb reason you eat it all, you know you're going to feel like shit afterwards. You save enough to bring some home to at least feel a little civil. And you never order cheesecake. That's the first thing I would order, too. Like, it's it's in the name. (laughs) I just
1: thought they put cheesecake on everything they like, salad comes with cheesecake on it, meatloaf comes with cheesecake on it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that, that That is like the, the culinary version of one of your albums, though. That could very much be... Just throw it, up, just throw it all on there. It's a bunch of different, different completely different dishes, but everyone has cheesecake on it somewhere. They just bring you the menu and they're like,
1: what don't you want? <laughs>
2: So are you guys working on anything at the minute? Are you collaborating with anyone new? I mean, as much as I would love to carry on talking about the album that we did together, like, it's weird. It feels weird asking you questions about the album that I asked you to do. <laughs> I guess it's not, yeah. but like... Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> the album slaps. It's also so fresh. Like, it literally just came out. So sick.
2: It is very exciting, that because, like, ha- having it just... So, obviously, for me, so I started playing drums when I was seven, and I became obsessed with albums when i was seven as well that was like the thing in music that whatever for whatever reason was what excited me and when you're talking about like discipline and obsession i was like i was obsessed with making albums i really had to discipline myself to practice the drums and actually making this this was all obsession or death there were loads of actual you know comedy work things that I had deadlines for that I didn't do <laughs> because I was obsessed with doing this and um just wanted to do it all the time. Um so yeah when you said that earlier I was like, yeah, that's like exactly how this like I've had to learn discipline mm-hmm. in so much, especially when it comes to like writing, if I've written books or writing a stand-up show. But like with this, it was just just obsessed and wanting to do it as soon as I woke up and not going to bed until late because I was up, you know, messing around with the stems and whatnot but like when we when it got released you know this is what I've been thinking about you know I'm 38 now so like uh, you know 31 years of like imagining uh, doing this and it was a way more intense experience than like I was prepared for just because I think I had you know thought about it for so long and imagined it for so long I'm feeling a lot more chilled out about it now and uh just, just so glad it's out there
1: yo question I saw a video yeah. from your release party was Finn Wolfhard there you know? he was
3: funny <laughs> yeah
1: I, I met him on the tour I was touring with his band Twin Peaks that like recorded mm. his band and he was hanging out backstage which was very funny it was just funny watching people interact whenever they saw his face like <laughs> peek out the side and people we were like <laughs> yeah
2: yeah he um we we just did a film together and like, I, I just did my last day on it yesterday actually. So, uh, uh, and so, so did he. So, um, but like, yeah, it, it was the rap the, uh, launch party for the album was during the filming. And, uh, oh, okay. I, I didn't really think any of the cast would come necessarily. I said, you know, this is going on. And a bunch of them came down and, um, yeah, a lot of people were very surprised. We kind we of did the main launch party, which was, you know, a Q&A with the audience, with the people who had bought the album. And uh, we showed them all the videos that we would made because we did a video for every song and did some, you know, sign-ins after and then across the road for the after party. It looked so happened. fun.
1: I was like seeing the videos being like, damn, that looks fun.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was good. Have you guys had any reactions to like since the album came out? Have you had because Because it's weird me not being on social media at all uh i don't know if you've if if anyone's like spoke to you about the album
1: i have a couple that hit me up about it Mm -hmm. and we're really really excited yeah i think people were excited that so many people that they liked were on the same album which is really cool
2: but when we did the if i could just video uh which is the one that i used footage of everyone for and and thanks guys for sending Mm -hmm. it you sent in some iphone footage each and might be able to use it and nanda you had like a blue monster head on for yours yeah and i've seen that in photos of you on stage live as well and like what is that what where's that come from um it came so
1: i did a music video for a track on my last album anti Mm -hmm. and i really wanted to recreate there's this (laughs) viral video of elmo like a bootleg elmo in the hood and he's like playing (laughs) a marching snare drum and like all these kids are like dancing like dancing around him Uh, And it's like just one of my favorite videos. I don't know why it's so silly and dumb. And I kind of just wanted to recreate something similar. So I had my friends buy this. um, It was actually supposed to be a Sonic the Hedgehog costume. Mm -hmm. And it came with a mask (laughs) that looked so absolutely fucked up. And they made it look even more fucked up because I was like, I want it to look like Cookie Monster. Mm-hmm. So they kind of chopped off the eyes and replaced them with styrofoam balls. And uh, yeah, it's just it's just yeah, a funny yeah. thing I put in a, a music video that I'm obsessed with and I bring it everywhere <laughs> now.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Those things just become like, you make it for something and then it just becomes, obviously, you know, I did it for this and made, got the party gator outfit made and got the little puppet made of the baby gator as well. And it just yeah. it, it suddenly... You don't really know why you're drawn to something and then you kind of make sense of it at the end. <laughs> with something, you'll look back at some point and realize why that furry mask with the big eyes is is important to you. It
1: just feels right. It makes it, yeah. I look at it and it makes me feel good. And I'm just like, that's good enough for me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> thanks for listening to the Talk House podcast and thanks to James Acaster, Namdi, and Kwale Chris for chatting. The record is credited to Temps and it's called Party Gator Purgatory. If you like what you heard, please follow TalkHouse on your favorite platform and check out all the goodness at TalkHouse.com. This episode was produced by Myron Kaplan, and the TalkHouse theme is composed and performed by The Range. See you next time.